So our scripture passage, it comes from two books. The first is the book of John, chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. Pay attention, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making a profit. You don't really know about tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for only a short while before it vanishes. Here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Our second passage comes from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 20, and verses 25 through 27. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you soon the world. <clears throat> soon the world will no longer see me. But you, will, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. I have spoken these things to you while I am with you, the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. Don't be troubled or afraid. May God's word shape and form us. So unfortunately, we are coming to the end of our sermon series. Uh, we've been going through um, our vision and identity at Renew. At Renew, we are renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods. And, and then uh, we're in this, we've been in this eight-week subset um, pulling our sermon series from uh, the book Tangible Kingdom by Hugh Halter. And we are, if you can hit this kind of the bird's eye view, we are on the last week, the eighth week, the intuitive life. Um, and basically, in my words, intuitive life means the spirit-led life. As a community what it means to be an incarnational community that's living out the gospel and embodying our faith incarnationally in our neighborhoods, in our communities, around the people that we know and love, um, is to live um, with an openness, um, an intuition, uh, a submission to the Holy Spirit. That we, um, as Christians, we don't just believe in God the Father, or Jesus the Son who died for our sins, but we believe that the Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity, amen? That the Holy Spirit is God, and that Jesus, as in the words of the John passage, uh, left and was going to send and has sent a comforter, an advocate to be with us, right? To be in relationship with us, to comfort us, to guide us, to transform us. And that's where the rubber hits the road in terms of our faith, right? The Holy Spirit is that which brings blows wind, blows power 
uh, empowers everything that we do, empowers us, uh, even in this room as I'm preaching, it empowers the word of God to go out and touch and plant seeds in our hearts and to be like, those seeds kind of grow out and like do things, an inception in our hearts. And we're like, oh, maybe God is saying this to me. Maybe I need to change my life. And so the spirit those do, does that kind of stuff is working in our hearts, is working in the hearts of people around us, and is working in the world to bring God's compassion and mercy and joy um, and justice to his world. Um, but I want, uh, before we move on, I wanted to hit, if you could hit the next slide. I don't know how clear that is, but back in the 90s, this type of, you would have seen this type of picture. It was very popular. Um, it, it was uh, called Magic Eye. Magic Eye uh, kind of posters. And you see these posters in your dorm rooms or in your offices. Uh, and uh, basically they're in, embedded within this picture. On the surface level, it's just a bunch of red, yellow, orange dots, right? But embedded in it is a 3D picture. So I want to take some time for you guys to try to look at this. And if you can tell me what you see, then uh, you, get a, you get a prize. Actually, I don't have a prize to give you, but it's for pride. It has to be close. <laughs> the way I do it is you got to kind of have to, you know when you get double vision? You kind of have to look at it like your eyes are starting to cross. No one? No one? Maybe it's, it is too far. I don't know. No. It's a face. No, it's a 3D. It's a shark. A, a length, lengthwise. It's a face with a shark. No, no, the body of a shark. 3D. <laughs> so you'll have, uh, you'll have opportunity. You could go on the computer and like see if you can see it. But I, I saw it. Uh, but these things were so popular in the 90s. And you'd have people like scrunching at the post. I don't see it. And I don't see it. And other people were like, don't you see it? It's a shark. It's a shark. It's a shark. I don't see it. I don't see it. You need to use the force. It's because the force is not strong within you. And people would be like, I don't see it. I feel so left out. Um, but basically, there's a way of seeing. If you master how to see it, you kind of have to, you know, if you strain, you're not going to see it. You kind of have to let your eyes go and just kind of relax. And even what I do is I let my eyes cross and, like, I let, allow myself to... Um, see in double vision, right? But the reason why I bring up this illustration is because we can try to see as hard as we can, right? And, some, and a lot of times when we look hard and we try to see something, um, we don't really see what's actually there, right? And that there's another way of seeing or hearing things that's below the surface of what's usually in our world, or usually around us, usually what we're hearing, usually what we're seeing, or might be a little louder than the still quiet voice of the Spirit speaking in our hearts, of God at work in us and God at work around us. 
And if you were to just be still and let go and look a little differently or listen a little more stilly, this would have been a lot better demonstration if more of you actually saw it. So clearly, we're not spirit-led in here. No, I'm just kidding. But it's an illustration to show that, right, there's a reality. As Christians, we believe that there's a reality beyond reality, right? There's a deeper reality at work. And oftentimes, uh, we can't see that or hear that because we're too busy, right? or there's too much white noise in our lives, we're too anxious, or we're so caught up in uh, the work of our hands, right? And so I, I just wanted to read that James passage again because I think it, it, hits, it hits that kind of, the aspect of control, um, busyness, and planning um, that can get in the way of us really leading the intuitive life really letting go and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and to move us as believers. Pay attention, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town. We will stay there a year buying and selling and making profit. You don't really know about tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for only a short while before it vanishes. Here's what you ought to say. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What James is not saying is, don't plan. Like, all of you planners and SGs in the room are like, what? I need to plan. Planning is good. And sometimes in the church, we, uh, we associate spirit, we make wrong kind of um, polarizations, right? So we say, being spirit-led or like led by the spirit means you're spontaneous and you don't plan anything, right? So in order, in order for me to be spiritually led, I'm going to not plan my sermon. Then it really means, right, this is a spirit-led sermon. No, you just didn't plan it and you were lazy, Dave, right? That's not spirit-led. And if you look in scripture, if you look at creation itself, it's full of the spirit. The spirit of the Lord was hovering through uh, the depths of uh, chaos. But a big part of creation is that God spoke order into the world. He made lines. He made night and day, land and water, sky and ground, right? And so a big part of creation was God drawing lines and planning and creating order. And, that, and then breathing his spirit into that order. Humanity itself right, was formed out of the clay, but it was not animated. Humanity wasn't animated until God breathed his spirit into that clay. And so it's a misnomer to think, okay, if you don't plan things and you're spontaneous, then you open yourself up to the spirit. What James is not saying is don't plan. All right, he's not saying not to plan. I think what he's saying is there's a bigger picture at play than what you are just looking at. Like, than the picture that is right in front of your nose or the maps that you're using in your daily lives to be like, this is the way that I should go. Whether it's, whether it's Wikipedia, which is a big map I use to guide my day on a daily basis, <laughs> or Google Maps, or 
the latest or CNN, the news, or the blogs that you read, or your friends, or your mom and your dad, your family, whatever words and input you're getting. And we know uh, that oftentimes we listen more than we want to to the media, right? To the media that tells us what we should look like, how we should dress, how we should treat other people. And we know that oftentimes we are sucked in by lies that say you're not beautiful, for instance. And so there we are constantly going through our lives guided by maps. But who said these maps were the map, right? Who said these maps were authoritative? We spend our time um, challenging authority in our life, right? I'm like that. I like my independence, right? I like to find, forge my own way. But anytime there's an authority figure, I'm like, no. Like, who, who died and made you boss? Even I grew up a PK, a pastor's kid. Even the church is like, oh, the institution of church. I rejected it for a long time in my life. Like, no, right? Who said the pastor has authority? Or who said this elder board has authority to say, make decisions on my behalf? I'm not going to tithe to this place. I'm not going to give my money because I don't have a say where the money goes. Like, who says I should be a part of a community that's telling me how to act and how to behave? So we are constantly rejecting authority, and yet the irony, the irony is that we submit to voices all the time that tell us who we are and tell us how to live our lives that are just idiotic. There's no authority behind them at all, except maybe there's a little flash, right, and bright lights, and right, it's seductive and sexy, or everyone else is doing it. And we listen to those things, and quite frankly, a lot of us are enslaved by voices that tell us what we should do. And we bring our tithes and our offerings to those voices. But what James is saying is, we need to submit our lives to God. When you think about what's gonna be your future, or what you're doing, the first question you need to ask is not, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, but it's, what is God's will? What is God's will? And I think number one in living the intuitive, spirit-led life is that we need to begin to make space for the white space, the margins in our life. The margins are where we're able to be still and we're able to listen, we're able to discern, we're able to pray. Um, the problem is our worries and our anxieties push those white spaces, those margins, and marginalize them even more, right? What kind of questions are in your life right now that cause you to worry or cause you to to fill your life and your mind space um, with anxieties? What kind of questions are they? Am I gonna get a job? Where am I gonna live? Will I be able to find a house, to buy a house in this godforsaken market in Seattle? When will I get to move out of my parents' house? When will I find that the one, that special someone. 
when will my toddlers grow up so I have, can go on a date night with my wife? When will my kids shut up so I can just concentrate? When will I get a chance to do my honey-do list, right? To fix that leak under the sink, to paint the house, to go and rotate my tires. When will I have a chance to do this or that? When will I have a chance to um, go travel and experience the world before I have to, you know, answer to other people or answer to my children? When, 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 right? When do I, how many times can I press snooze before I actually have to get up? Do I have to drive in this stupid traffic? How many days do I have to drive in this stupid traffic? When will light rail be done in this city? Traffic. When will people stop moving into this city? So we ask these questions. These, we have these anxieties that continue to flood our mind and fill us with the tyranny of the urgent. Like, ah, 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 I got to do this. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. And that continues to make the margins, the white spaces in our lives, smaller and smaller. The places where we're still in that peace are able to receive sight that we don't usually have or to be able to hear things that we usually aren't able to hear unless we shut up and turn down all the white noise in our lives, right? Just to listen, to be still, and to let God actually guide us and say, this is my will. It might be unconventional. It might not be best practices. It might not even make you feel comfortable or secure, but this is my will. And if you want more power in your life, if you want more empowerment in your life, then you need more margin in your life. Does that make sense? Amen? We need to listen more. We need to see in other ways. We need to put our money where our mouth is when it comes to saying we are Christians, we are the church, and we follow Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Because following someone means that you listen to their voice and you're, you're doing as they're saying. And you're saying, I'm here, I'm ready. I wanna know what you want for my life. I think, I think the biggest crisis for our generation is discernment. Amen. Because there are so many more voices and so many other things that are clouding our views. And we, we've lost the tools to kind of make decisions, right? Just think about how you make decisions in your life. Like, how do you make decisions? Like, sometimes... How many of you have actually flipped a coin to make a major decision in your life? <laughs> right? Like, you talk to people, you read the Bible, maybe you pray, you talk to more some people. I Google things and like pro and con. You know, there's so many ways 
that we make decisions, but discernment, how does that happen? Right? Is scripture alive? Does the Holy Spirit move in scripture? Is the community of faith alive? Does God speak through our community of faith? Right? Prayer, is prayer powerful? Does God speak to us in our hearts through prayer? If I was, sometimes we're so afraid of being still because if you're still, like I'm a really antsy person. I always have to be doing something, like going, 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 right? Because if I'm still, I'm left with kind of that deep sense, you know, that lonely feeling and like, oh, I have no purpose and like, I need to eat something. You know, or like, let me just lie down. And when I feel like that, I want to avoid it, right? I don't, because it's painful, it makes me insecure, like, it feels vulnerable. And so I go watch a movie or something. Like, I need something to occupy my brain so I don't feel, so I don't like deal with what's going on, what, what's at unrest in me, because I don't like open endedness, right? I like things closed. I like to have a plan. I like to know why I'm here and what I'm doing. I don't like to feel lonely. I don't like to feel empty. I don't like to feel my insecurities. So I don't like to be still because if I'm still, I'll feel those things and I won't feel good about myself. And if I don't feel good about myself, that just sucks, right? So I fill my time and my space with white noise. But part of being a, when we say part of being Christ's community, um, part of being the tangible community is that we live the intuitive life. That means we are a community that opens ourselves up to the margins, to sacred spaces. Right? We open ourselves up to the spirit having room to move within us. And we have those rhythms and practices. A lot of times in our small groups, you know, we'll have the prayer hot seat where someone will sit in a chair and they'll share about their life and we'll pray for them. Uh, during our summer rhythms, we've had the, our midweek worship times, right? Uh, one week we went to Bellevue to a lake, right? And Catherine led us through a time of visualizing ourselves walking through the garden and Jesus being there. And what was Jesus saying? And at first it's kind of awkward, right? Those kind of things is like, I don't know. I can, let me just make up something in my mind, you know? But as, a, as you enter into those practices and those rhythms, it's like working out. You work out muscles that are weak, you know? Like I have a muscle like right here in my thigh that I was like, I didn't know it existed until I like started playing more ultimate and it was sore and I was like, why is this sore? It's because I don't, you know, in the past when I wasn't running and exercising, I wasn't using that muscle. And now that muscle is smarting. It's like, ah, I don't like this. It's new, stop making me work. It's the same way with those kind of spiritual rhythms that open ourselves to the intuitive life to being open, to hearing God's word through the Spirit speaking to us, to seeing God's will 
our muscles aren't as strong because we use those other muscles, right? TV, 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 media, 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 like other things. And so it's hard to, to when we start to do it, right, those muscles wince. And so it's hard to build that habit. Are you with me, church? Amen. The intuitive life, the spirit-led life. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples in our John passage, he was saying, I need to leave. But when I leave, this comforter is coming. The advocate is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. Right? And this is very important. And he's like, he can't, I need to leave so that this spirit can come. If Jesus just left and ascended into heaven, right? I think we would lose the real-time dynamism of our faith, right? We would just be looking at etchings in stone, right? And looking for something tangible to grasp. That's what idolatry is, right? Like, we're listening for God, and it's not happening, and we're impatient, so we're going to go on, right? That's the exodus. I don't trust God. Moses, I'm thirsty, Right? Or Moses is gone, build us a gold calf. I need something to hold on to so I can move on because God ain't speaking. Because I can't live in this ambiguity. I can't live in this nothingness. I can't live in this open-endedness. I need to know. I need something tangible to grasp onto. So build me a golden calf. Right? Give me that thing I can hold on to so that I have meaning, right? So that I can carry on. And those are the exact times, especially in transition, times of change and transition. That's when we're most insecure because we're leaving something that we know to something that's unknown, right? Whether that's a new job, moving to a new city, new relationship, whatever. We feel insecure, and we're like, ah, I need something to hold on to, please. Something that I know. When maybe the most healthy thing or the most important thing for us is to move forward into the unknown. Right? So Jesus is saying, I'm sending you the Spirit. Right? I'm sending you the Spirit. We have a living faith. We have a living God. When I read scriptures on my phone, my Bible app, it's not just an iPhone app. When a community gathers around the word of God, it's the living word. That's what we believe. And this Holy Spirit is the vehicle by which we hear and we discern and we receive truth as a community and as individuals. A living, live faith. That's what the intuitive life is. It's letting go of all the things that we hold on to and allowing ourselves to believe and live into the living God in our life, his hand at work in us. Amen? Um, So we're going to try some things. We're going to break up into small groups and respond. 
Uh, we've done this kind of prayer time as church before. Uh, but in our uh, small groups, maybe the two or three people next to you uh, in small group, uh, pray aloud. Basically, just start off praying aloud whatever's on your heart or mind. It, there's no, like, there's no guidedness or, like, direction necessarily. What's, what's on your heart and mind? Just pray it aloud in your group. Um, and then the, I'll transition us to... Um, praying our questions. So what are the questions on your heart during this time of discernment? Like, what do you want to... Uh, during our, our discernment time, like, should we move locations? We're in a discernment time about that. But also, any other questions that you may have in your heart, like, pray those out. Any questions? Does that make sense? Can we do this? Okay. And then we'll just come back to the larger group and sh see if anyone has anything to share. And then we'll move on. All right, so ready, break into groups and, and start praying. God, we uh, live in the tension of uh, living lives that have time, that are uh, guarded by time and schedules and and even in this space, we we have that tension of um, needing to be timely, and yet being wanting to be open to what you want to do. And so, we just confess that limitation, and uh, we move forward in our worship. Thank you for this time, and um, we trust that you have heard our prayers and are continuing to hear our prayers and and the questions of our heart. And you know, uh, before we even speak, what we, what we need and what we're asking. In your name we pray. Amen.